Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of MGR Unplugged. This is your host, Manuel Gil del Real, and today I'm joined by David Gill, host of the sister podcast of MGR, the MGR Edge. And uh, today we're going to discuss something that has been often on the news over the last uh, few weeks and months, but more recently with uh, Disney actually uh, joining the uh, streaming uh, media services. So it's getting a little confusing in terms of uh, where all of this is heading. And, um, you know, I thought it was it would be good for us to sit down and chat a little bit about this whole uh, cutting the cord, uh, cable versus satellite versus now streaming. So, uh, David, uh, the first question I had, actually, I, I kind of missed the news because it happened just, uh, just recently, but uh, Disney just decided to have or start their own um, streaming service. Uh, and I think, uh, actually, I know that you did a podcast about this topic. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Yeah. So Disney started their own streaming or they, they announced it basically. It hasn't started yet. It'll start, I think in November is when it's going to start, but basically, uh, they've been teasing it for over a year now at this point. Uh, but basically, they, they announced kind of what people expected, that they're going to have what's called Disney Plus, which is going to be a lot of content of all their, you know, Disney kids shows and all of that, and then tons of the Pixar movies, and then it also have Star Wars and all the Marvel movies, basically all of their major uh, IP, their intellectual property uh, that they own. And basically, they're going to have a streaming service. I believe the pricing was $7 a month. And that was a big deal because obviously they're coming in and undercutting a lot of other streaming services. Like Netflix is obviously $12 a month, HBO is 15 So at 7 it's a very competitive price. And especially if you want to see Disney content, which you know, Disney is really the largest media company in the world and they own massive amounts of content. If you want to see any Marvel or Star Wars or anything like that, you're going to have to go through Disney, which is a big deal. So so, so just to clarify, Disney is coming uh, to compete directly with, with Netflix, let's say, uh, or, or Hulu or any of the actually, strictly streaming media services or companies out there. I think they are competing with Netflix, but at the same time, I don't think... I, I think the idea that a lot of people are going to cut Netflix for Disney is misguided. I don't think that Netflix will actually be massively affected by Disney+. Plus. The other wrinkle that I think is more of a direct competition for Netflix is Hulu. Um, Disney, for those who don't know, last year bought 21st Century Fox. Uh, they bought most of their, their media. The only thing they didn't buy was Fox Sports and Fox uh, News uh, outlets and but besides that all of their movies and shows and all of those things they did acquire uh, so anything all of the uh, you know animated shows that they're famous for the Simpsons the family guys and all of those are now Disney property um, and then obviously the tons of movies that Fox has made over the years and so that is a big deal and but the difference is that Disney plus is gonna be is is they've made clear is gonna be family friendly so they're not gonna have any of their you know, more mature content, but because they also acquired, so Hulu uh, basically was previously owned by Disney, Fox, Comcast, and I think 
uh, Time Warner. And basically now Disney, actually this previous week, ended up buying, they bought Fox's stake last year, and now they ended up buying Comcast stake. So how much does Disney own of Hulu now? So basically they control the whole thing now. So now Hulu is Disney's company. It, will they merge or will they still market themselves as two different uh, streaming um, services? I think, no, they're going to be separate because Hulu is going to be where the mature content goes. So everything that's not the family-friendly Disney stuff is going to go on Hulu. And Hulu is also now promoting live sports. Yes, so I'll, I was going to mention that as well. But basically, Hulu has an offering, I believe it's $45 a month, and they offer... They're going to offer down the road all of this content that Disney has now acquired. They obviously offer a lot of content already. Um, and then in addition, they're going to have live sports. So it's really Disney's play to try to capture a lot of the people who are cutting the cord, as we were going to discuss in a bit. So in theory... Um, and that's who I think... That's I think Hulu is going to be the bigger competitor for Netflix rather than Disney+. Plus, Because I think... Even though Disney Plus has a lot of content, you know, people cutting Netflix, you're going to miss out on a lot. And I think Netflix has built enough of a content moat in that they have so much content and they've become such a social, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, like thing that it's almost when you meet someone who doesn't have Netflix, it's almost like, oh, you don't have Netflix? Like that's right, kind of right. weird. But, but at the same time, Netflix spends a lot of their budget or majority of it actually creating um unique content um right. uh, i'm not sure i haven't heard of hulu actually spending any but they, they rerun a lot of series but they don't hulu have any, any original, original content. content do they have original content as well like series yes. or things like that yes they do but the big advantage that they're gonna have as i said is that they're going to be able to now have tons of disney and fox content that won't be available on any other platform and part of the agreement with comcast when disney bought out their stake which comcast owns nbc universal so all the basically like big franchises like harry potter and obviously all the nbc shows uh, those are going to stay on hulu which is a big deal so they're gonna have fox disney and nbc universal content on hulu and then obviously the the family-friendly disney content on disney plus so does that mean that uh disney is also pulling all their shows uh from netflix Yes. So Disney has uh, basically licensing contracts with Netflix because right now, if you go on Netflix, there's a lot of Disney content. They have a lot of right. Avengers and all that's in Star mm -hmm. Wars, uh, all that stuff on there. Um, I'm not sure about the duration of those contracts, but yes, uh, once those contracts are over, that content is gone and it will be exclusively on Disney Plus. Okay. So, so uh, as far as I mean, cutting the cord is is the expression that everybody uses just to get rid of cable basically but cable also offers a variety of channels that are like from from you know home and garden television to uh, the discovery channel to history channels and you know all this in addition to your local stations which people like the, the major for the the cbs nbc abc fox and so forth so the, there's some confusion about people saying well i'm gonna cut the cord but then they don't realize that then they also lose a lot of those stations that they're used to watching whether it's even TBS or TNT or things like that. So or not, not to mention the sports channels like ESPN and NFL networks and all that. So which of these services provides also the option to keep some of the local stations and some of those stations or, or channels that you want to watch? If you actually indeed got the court from, from your local cable provider. 
So as far as cutting the cord, you still will have the four major stations local on your TV because that's just... Uh, just via normal antenna. Right. So you can still have those if you want to watch local news, things like that. But as far as the major content, basically all content, the, the biggest thing that's holding back cable cutters is ultimately live sports is the biggest thing. As far as all of the other content you said, Home and Garden and all those things, those are all just shows. And a lot of them go through syndication. And really, there's no difference between paying for a license for the syndication of a show if you're USA versus uh, if you're Netflix, right? You can They can put that show on Netflix if they want to buy the license to it. So anything that's not live is going to go to streaming. Basically, the only thing that's remaining is so far seems to be sports. Um, and obviously, that's a major thing. And the, the biggest thing that's made most cable subscribers stay cable subscribers is because if you want to watch a lot of the biggest sporting events, you still need cable. Um, that's changing, though. I mean, like we said, Hulu is now offering live sports. YouTube TV has agreements with... Uh, I believe the MLB and, if I'm not mistaken, the NBA for uh, live TV. So it's really just a matter of a lot of the streaming services are now acquiring the rights to stream the sports. And once that happens, then, yeah, I think cable could very likely go away. But it's really a, a, it's a licensing rights game. And if... Um, if companies want to keep people on cable, like... ESPN, for example, ESPN has their new ESPN Plus offering, right. which is $5 a month. And if you are into a lot of niche things, like the biggest thing they have is the UFC, and they've been promoting that a lot. But even the UFC is still not a major sport in the US. It's big. It's the biggest that they have on there. But a lot of the other stuff is like lacrosse and wrestling and things like that, very niche sports that if you're into it for 5 bucks a month, it's really the best offering there is out there. Um, but as far as the major things, the NFL, the NBA, MLB, all of those, you still need cable. So, so my question is, if, um, let's say that I subscribe to YouTube or, or even Hulu and I get live sports, do I have the choice of uh, watching my local team? or how, how? Because obviously, like the NFL has the, uh, the national televised games and then they have the local games that is for the local markets. So how does that work when you're working with, with uh, streaming services? How do you pick and choose which games you want to stream or is it like open you just choose i'm not sure exactly on the local end how that works um i'd have to i'm not actually sure on that one but really i mean like the nba for example offers uh nba league pass so you can pay if you don't have because a lot of people don't have cable or they live you know like for me i'm a phoenix suns fan i live in phoenix so i have the local station but if i live somewhere else i don't have the local station i can pay uh, I forget their pricing. It varies, but uh, basically you can pay like it's like a few hundred dollars a season and I can watch all the local games. And I think that more and more of these sports uh, are going to either want to try to get people to pay them directly to watch the NBA. Uh, or I said, like I said, the biggest thing holding it back is that the licenses are still owned like ESPN still owns the NBA finals agreement. And right. so if you want to watch the NBA Finals, you're going to need ESPN. If you don't have it, you can't watch it, basically. And so that's the biggest thing holding people to stay subscribed to cable. Um, but, but they you can know, also subscribe to ESPN Plus and then just cut it the same way. No, because ESPN Plus 
doesn't offer all of the ESPN things. It's it's a little complicated, but um, basically, once these contracts end, a lot of these contracts are going to be ending over the next few years that are keeping people subscribed to cable. Once those end, it's really going to be a bidding war to see which streaming services want to own Because, I mean, we know rights. that uh, cable companies charge different... Uh, um, or actually the, the, the cable providers like ESPN charges the cable companies fees for their programming and ESPN right. is notoriously one of the most expensive ones. I believe ESPN is $7 right. a month. It's, it's quite a bit. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see what happens with the uh, with all the sporting events and all that stuff. But uh, how, how do you think um, cable operators are going to uh, or are reacting to this? Uh, I know they have all these bundle things and they're actually going away from just the cable. They try to bundle in some cases the, uh, the, the phones and the digital phones and the home securities and a lot of other things that go together to get you like a better deal saying, hey, we don't just offer you the TV stations and the channels, but we also give you digital phones and high-speed internet and home security and all kinds of things. Yeah, they're trying to adapt like any business that gets disrupted. But I think a lot, I mean, this is a different kind of topic, but I think a lot of the cable companies are in trouble because once the once people begin cutting the, I mean, people have already begun cutting the cord in masses, but uh, once the major cable business is gone and then with 5G rolling out, which could very much impact their internet business, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because a lot of these companies have gotten away for years, you know, Time Warner, Comcast, all these companies, uh, with really bad customer service and treating people poorly. And I think that they have basically no brand equity, as we like to say, basically meaning, uh, you know, they have plenty of brand awareness. People know who they are, but they have no brand equity. Everybody hates them. I don't, he- I almost never hear a good thing. Or, or customer loyalty. Basically. Right. You almost never hear mm-hmm. a good thing about a cable company. So yeah, I think a lot of them are in trouble. Now, a lot of them, that's why there are so many mergers and acquisitions. I mean, Comcast bought NBC Universal. So they're going to be focusing much more on the content side now rather than the, uh, you know, service provider side. And yeah, I mean, they're going to adapt and I'm sure we'll see a lot of them go out of business and probably rightfully so if, if, you know, you treat your customers badly, you can only get away with that for so long. And I don't know what they would expect. Yeah, I think, I think like you said, the, uh, the 5G will be critical because at the end of the day, obviously the, the, uh, some of the challenges that these uh, streaming services have is that if, uh, if you're watching a show, if you have more than two or three people watching different shows in your house and you are relying exclusively on a on streaming content, the speed is really, or the, or the bandwidth really gets spread too thin. And that's one of the things that I've seen with, with uh, friends, some places that I go that they have only, they cut the cord, they don't have a high speed internet or anything, and they rely on their uh, just regular modem or phones or anything to, to stream content. And then one person is watching some kind of uh, Netflix movie, the other person is on Amazon Prime or something, and then you have two or three different streaming services going at the same time, and then your, your download speed really uh, decreases. So I think the bandwidth is going to be a big factor as far as when people decide to cut the core or not. Yeah, uh, 5G will allow for a lot more uh, technology as far as not even just streaming, but smart home, everything. And again, that's a different topic. But yeah, 5G will very much remove a lot of the bandwidth barriers that people have now. And, you know, bandwidth has gone away. I mean, people, a lot of people have high speed internet now, but it still is a problem. And yeah, 5G will change a lot of that. So back to the uh, cutting the core or not. Um, 
so what are the options that we have now? Obviously, Netflix is independent. I mean, they don't offer TV stations or channels or sports or anything like that. Uh, same thing. I mean, you have the Apple TV is a whole different story, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but we know we have YouTube TV now. That also is about fifty dollars a month or something like that. Yeah, they just raised it to fifty a month. It was forty-five. Now it's fifty. Okay, so what do you get with a YouTube TV? Uh, YouTube TV is probably one of the best options if you're looking to cut the cord um, because you get most of the cable channels you get now. Uh, like I said, they have sports agreements with some of the major sports, so you can watch a lot of the sports. And uh, you also get access to YouTube Premium, which is its own, I think it's $12 a month service, which they have their own original original content. And uh, uh, you also get ad-free YouTube. And so it's, it's one of the better options. And for $50 a month, it's a pretty good deal compared to cable channels. And I think the, YouTube is one of the few that also includes your four uh, local stations, right? Your four local channels. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about... Um, on demand, um, one of the things that uh, also people like to have is the option to, you know, watch their shows on demand. Uh, that's one of the main things that you do with uh, with cable as well. I mean that you can go back and just watch shows after they happen, whatever is on your own schedule. Um, does YouTube and all these services offer that as well? Yeah, you mean like watching them not live? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Okay, so so okay, so YouTube is about fifty dollars a month, and you get a lot of uh, uh, most of the channels. Obviously, uh, I'm not gonna. I mean, those things change every day, so it's not. But they, they offer most of the cable stations, right? And and it's just a matter of uh, more agreements to offer the ones that you know if people want to watch BBC or HGTV or whatever. Uh, but so then we have also, like we said, Hulu TV is growing in that direction as well, with um, also possibility of live sports i would say if you're if you're a cable cutter if you're looking to cut uh hulu tv the 45 they have different options but the 45 dollar a month which is their top option um is the one that basically has a lot of cable channels and then like i said it's going to have a lot more content coming to it soon um and has live sports now so hulu tv and uh youtube tv are probably the two best options out there right now if you want to just get rid of cable completely now they're not going to have everything cable has but they're going to have 80 to 90 percent of it for half the price or less of cable right and they don't bundle things like cable does now that they say okay you need to get all this variety of cha uh, package or whatever or the uh, sports package and all that and they give you things that you don't really need you cannot really choose a la, a la carte with cable they they bundle things so you end up paying at least a hundred dollars a month just for things that you end up watching you know three four channels over time and you don't watch the rest so um so obviously the the youtube the hulus and all that is you like uh, local stations and live tv so to speak um for those who actually don't watch um either local stations or live TV or anything, then you have obviously the traditional uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime and all those. Um, unfortunately, I think, I mean, like you start adding the, the fees for like Netflix, Amazon Prime and uh, HBO Now, I think it is, or uh, Showtime and CBS and all this. And uh, almost looks like, okay, well, I'm going to pay 15 plus 10 plus 15 plus 20 plus that. And then you end up almost paying the same as cable just for uh, to have like the the movies that you want to watch and maybe a couple of premium channels like maybe HBO or Showtime if you are familiar or you are a fan of uh, some of the shows. So is that a viable option now or what do you think is, is where do we think are we heading with this 
uh, situation with so many options. And like, like you mentioned before, Disney as well. Yeah, so I think that the notion that just because we switched mediums uh, of basically people streaming it online versus getting it through traditional cable, the notion that it's going to be cheaper, I think, was kind of a false assumption. I think that you know content still costs a lot of money to make, whether you're streaming it or watching it through cable. You know, Game of Thrones has a massive budget, and I mean, I think it was close to 10 million an episode, something around that range. Uh, I mean, Netflix itself, if you look at them, I mean, they spend billions and billions of dollars a year on content. So just because you're switching mediums doesn't mean that the content itself has gotten any cheaper to create on the on the higher end scale. So yeah, I think that in the end, I don't think people are going to be saving a ton of money because I think cable costs probably on average for most people, depending on the plan you have, like a hundred bucks a month. And if you end up getting, say, a YouTube TV for $50 a month, see so that you get all the cable plans and then you get, if you choose to get a Netflix and an HBO and uh, Amazon Prime or whatever. Obviously, Amazon Prime is a little different because you get a lot with that. You get the free shipping, the Amazon Music and all right, that. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be pretty close in price. It might be a little cheaper. I think in the end, most people will be un end up spending maybe 20 to 30% less than they used to um, if they had a traditional cable plan. But it's not going to be like, you know, oh, 20 bucks a month for me and that's it and I'm done. You know, I don't think that's going to be the case for most people. Because at the end of the day, if you want access to all this content... You have to pay for it. The content's very expensive. Right, but at the same time, people have much more freedom or ability to right, you have start and end their subscriptions as they wish. I mean, right now, one of the things that is happening or will happen is that with Game of Thrones just wrapping up the final season, a lot of people that were subscribed to HBO streaming service, HBO Now, uh, for Game of Thrones, or even just a cable subscription for that matter, um, they they will cancel the subscription to HBO, which you know cable operators charge like fifteen dollars a month. I don't know how much is the streaming service, or I believe it's fifteen a month. Yeah, something like that. So so they they estimate that about twenty twenty five percent of the subscriber base will drop from from HBO just because they Game of Thrones was the ones the one series the anchor that was keeping them subscribed. Uh, Showtime is similar with uh, shows like Billions or Homeland or some others that are there that are basically the anchors that keep people subscribed. So um, content is definitely key as far as attracting subscribers. Right. And it, that also gets into kind of um, content strategy. So, you know, Netflix has the strategy of we want to make as much content as possible for every group and every type of person as possible. Um, HBO has always been more of the uh, very premium content. So everything they make is very high quality. I mean, they've obviously over the past years, they've had started kind of with The Wire, then The Sopranos, they had Game of Thrones. They've had tons of shows that are like massive, award-winning, super high-quality shows. But because they choose to do that, they don't have nearly as much of a variety or a uh, basically nearly as many options as you do when you subscribe to Netflix. You know, Netflix has way more content than HBO. Um, and then you mentioned like live sports. There's a reason why Netflix has never gotten into live sports. That's part of their, or anything live, that's part of their content strategy. Because the thing with live is yes, you get a lot of viewers, but you get a lot of viewers once. And then once the live content is over, it's done. It's completely but, uh, irrelevant. Now that you say that actually, Amazon is starting to get into live sports. They within Amazon Prime, you can yeah. actually um, 
uh, link or basically click on, on options for live sports that are happening. It's, it's different content strategies right. at the end of the day. Different companies are going to try different things. Now, HBO got acquired by AT&T, uh, AT&T Time Warner, and they the the CEO has basically said that he wants to be more aggressive with HBO um, and kind of become more of a Netflix type as far as expanding their the breadth of their content. But it's not quite clear because that's obviously going to cost a lot of money. And really the question was HBO, for the kind of money he was considering spending, HBO doesn't make that much. And... So there's there's major question marks there where the where HBO will head, but as of right now, I think that they have their own. It's a large niche, but it's a still kind of a niche in that uh, they make very high quality, award winning shows, and that's what they focus on. Um, Netflix has a lot of great shows, but if you look at a lot of the stuff they make, they have a lot of you know, not so great stuff, but they just want to get a massive variety of content for everybody out there. But they don't care about live because once live is, you know, Netflix's strategy, the reason it's so great is because the more they spend on content, that content doesn't expire. You know, a movie that they made five years ago, if you haven't seen it, it's brand new to you. Something live, if, you know, the championship game of whatever sport, once it happens, it happens. No one's going to go back and watch it unless you're like the 1% fanatic. Right. And so right. that's why you'll never see Netflix get into sports. I guarantee you they will not get into sports. Um, but it's different strategies. And maybe Amazon, Amazon's biggest goal is to get as many Prime subscribers as possible because a Prime subscriber is different because they're not just in the content game. They have basically a prime subscriber spends like three to four times as much as a non-prime subscriber right, on Amazon. right. they have a different uh, ecosystem so they want right you know they basically are making money every time you buy an amazon it, actually amazon has the best deal in my eyes because i mean they, they for about ten dollars a month i think it is that's where it is these days uh you get not just the prime shipping free today one day even same day shipping as they keep moving forward and if you order one two things a month that's that's right there worth the price but also you have uh prime music you have uh prime video you have all kinds of uh benefits you know from from the amazon prime so it's not just the the video component in fact it started with the free shipping and then they started adding other components to it with um with amazon that uh, actually makes it the most uh, um cost effective i guess as far as what you get for your dollar um not sure if it's profitable for them but definitely is is getting a lot of subscribers they probably have a what, 100, 100 million subscribers with um, amazon prime more yeah that, that, the number yeah. is huge it's 100 i think it's 120 maybe yeah, somewhere around there but yeah a massive amount and but like i said the content strategy of all these companies varies a lot why is disney able to charge only seven dollars a month because, and I talked about this in my podcast, they have, and why is Amazon is only $10 a month versus Netflix is 12 despite Amazon offering Amazon uh, Prime shows, Amazon Music, and free shipping on all those products. That's way bigger of an offering than what Netflix offers, and Netflix actually charges more. Why is that? And why is Disney for $7 a month versus 12 Netflix? Because these companies have a different content strategy. They want to be able to, they're able to monetize in different ways. Disney has no first party data. 
basically they don't know who their customers really are because they license out all their content if you want to go watch a disney movie you either see it in the theaters which the theater gets the data on the customer or if you watch it on netflix netflix gets the data on the customer so now they're flipping it and basically saying no the customer is going to come directly to us they're going basically direct to consumer and now they're going to get all that data and they're going to be able to monetize you. They're going to get you to go to more parks. They're going to be able to sell you lots of merchandise. Disney is the king of merchandise. I mean, the, the amount of toys and clothing and all these things that they sell is way more than any other company out there. That's why Disney is so successful. Because if you look at their revenues, most of their revenues actually comes from merchandise and the parks, not actually the content itself. Netflix really only makes money from the content. And that's why in my podcast that you mentioned, I said that Netflix's biggest strategy for growing their revenue should actually be focusing a lot more on developing their merchandise side because that's a really untapped market that they haven't accessed yet. Um, and then Amazon, same thing. Amazon is able to charge a lesser amount because, yeah, they're only charging $10 a month here. But then if you're spending three times as much on products, then it's well, worth how, it. How would a company like Netflix develop the uh, merchandise part? Um, what what kind of merchandise can they sell? Well, basically, they have a lot of shows and content. I mean, I, I gave the example on my podcast of Stranger Things, which is one of their more popular shows. And that's the type of thing where they do sell merchandise. I'm not saying that Netflix doesn't sell merchandise, but they don't do it nearly as much as, as Disney does. Now, obviously, Disney has been in the game a lot longer. They've been doing it a lot longer. But if I were to guess because Netflix has been increasing their content spend every year. I wouldn't be surprised if they de started decreasing it at some point and started focusing more on other ways to monetize their content besides just directly paying for it. Um, because Disney, like I, and I mentioned it in my podcast, they have not just, they obviously have the Disney parks, they have their toys, they have their clothing, all of that. Hotels. And they have else. hotels, they have cruises, they have merchandise out the ass, basically. And you decided the explicit content. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to cuss, but I mean, there's no okay. other way to describe it. It's, that's what they're good at. Um, and I think Netflix needs to follow that route. I really, I mean, I... I but it, the, the ironic thing is that you you go backwards about 10 years and you look at Netflix and Netflix was the killer of the blockbuster videos and the Hollywood videos and all they did was basically replace the uh, video rental service where instead of going to the store and fight for a movie because they had five copies and everybody was trying the latest uh, blockbuster type movie... Um, and then they would just mail it to you or whatever. Now that's almost like a no business for them. I mean, the primary the primary business for Netflix and all these and even Amazon Prime is is mostly on the content creation and their own original series. That's what they sell. That's what they promote, and that's where they spend the money. In fact, there's a controversy too when they started going to the Academy Awards and they started competing for for Oscars and everything like the prime Hollywood studios. You know, like saying, okay, well, should even should Netflix or or Amazon be even uh, considered for Oscar nomination as far as best movies and things like that. So content for them is key right now as far as having something, like you said, their own IP that they can they can have and hold on forever. Right. I mean, that's why, Di I'm, I'm sorry, Netflix started spending so much 
on their own original content because before, like you said, Netflix started as just licensing other content, reselling it. But the, at the end of the day, anybody can do that. Anybody can just buy licenses. You just need money. Uh, but creating original content is what matters. And that's why Netflix is focused on that because when they create their own original content, obviously, if you want to see that content, you need to go to Netflix. That's why Disney has such an advantage with their new service. They have so much content from over 100 years of making content and especially because they've made a bunch of brilliant acquisitions in Marvel and Star Wars and all these things that are yeah, massive franchise. I mean, yeah. just look at the latest Avengers movie. It's probably mm. going to be the highest grossing movie ever mm. in the box office, two point something billion already. Um, and yeah, if you want any of that content, you're going to have to pay Disney for it now. And they know that and that's their strategy. But Netflix knows the same thing. And that's why they're developing their own original content, and they will continue to. So let's let's kind of try to start wrapping it up a little bit. So so where do you see that we're heading in the next, uh, let's say, three to five years, as far as uh, cutting the cord, like we started with the uh, at the beginning of the podcast? Is that really happening? Are people going to cut the cord and say, okay, there's better options that are more flexible, that I don't need to bundle, I don't need to pay $100 for things that I only... I don't ever watch. I can just pick and choose what I want to do and pay maybe two or three services, maybe a YouTube TV for basic channels and then a couple of premium things that are $10 a piece, my Amazon Prime or my Netflix, and I end up paying $70 a month with something that I really use. Or what do you see that we're going to be in the next, uh, like I said, three to five years? Um, Obviously, it's a guess, but just, just... Yeah, I mean, predictions... You know, always take them with a grain of salt. I don't know. It's hard the, to predict, make predictions, especially about the future, like uh, Yuri yeah. Berra said. It's, it's, I, I don't know the, the, I, I can tell you what I would do if I'm, you know, deciding on the strategy of these companies, but at the end of the day, I don't know exactly what they're going to do. But if I were to guess, I would, just based on what I've already seen since Disney's acquired Hulu and they've spent a ton more on marketing uh, and they've spent a lot more. Uh, acquiring sports rights, and obviously they're going to have a ton of new content coming from Fox and themselves onto the platform soon. Um, I think that Hulu will become a major player. I think Hulu right now is kind of, I think it's like the fourth or fifth in the streaming services. I think that Hulu will become the number two behind Netflix. Um, and then I think Disney Plus will be very successful as well. Um, so I think Netflix and Disney will be the major winners. And then besides them, I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, I think HBO will still be big too, but they're not going to be nearly as big as Netflix and Disney. Um, and I, I think besides them, you're going to see a lot of companies come and go and kind of try things like CBS has rolled out CBS All Access. And I'm, I'm sure people have seen um, like they have a new Twilight series that they're promoting and that's their original content. They have uh, they own the rights to Star Trek, so they have a new Star Trek series. Um, but the question is, do they have enough? content to get people to subscribe to another service and so far it hasn't been that successful for cbs all access and so a lot of companies are going to have to decide are we just going to try to make money from licensing our content i know um, um basically nbc universal comcast has said we're not going to try to make our own streaming service we're just going to license our content which is fine you can still make a lot of money from doing that um but really i think it, we're going to end up seeing probably two or three major winners 
in this space. And I think Netflix and Disney will be the two major. Maybe we'll see a third. Right. But then the rest of the companies, I don't think there's going to be enough demand for the for the majority of these companies to create their own streaming service. I think they're just going to have to end up making partnerships with Disney and, and Netflix. Right. I think I think we're now in the uh, expansion phase, and then we'll see definitely a consolidation phase. Exactly. Where a lot of these companies will just start working with each other to to survive, basically. Uh, but the other repercussion that we we actually uh, affects. You and know, by uh, the uh, way. I don't think cable is just going to disappear. I think it's still going to take a while. Well, yeah, primarily because in some areas there's no there's no ability to get streaming content. I mean, even even in the U.S., I mean, there's there's a lot of areas of the country, uh, and I'm not even talking about rural areas. I'm talking about some metro areas that are in in different suburbs of things that are, they don't even have the ability to get high speed internet or or. The, uh, I think that's not necessarily the barrier because again we have 5G rolling out and and and. Internet yeah, speeds, 5G. Internet speeds right are now continue have, to get faster. Yeah, but right now we have 4G, and as you know, 4G is not even available everywhere. You you travel, you, you go like 20 miles away from the city, and your phone switches to 3G or um, 2G or whatever. I mean, sometimes the, the 4G is also, yeah, it's, it's pretty expanded depending on who you use, but at the same time, it's not globally expanded either, so it's not like you can... But what I'm saying is I don't think internet speed is even the major thing holding it back. I just think that there's still a lot of content that cable is going to have over the next three to five years that basically you're going to need cable to access, especially, like I said, sports, things like that. So I don't think cable is necessarily going to go away. Um, I think it will continue to shrink but I don't think cable is just going to disappear. But yeah, I think the streaming services will continue to grow and dominate, really. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see two or three major winners. I I would guess Disney and Netflix are the two largest. And like I said, maybe there will be a third, maybe YouTube TV, because that's a decent offering, and that'll be a major competitor for Hulu. Uh, and like I said, you also get YouTube um, Premium alongside that, and YouTube has a massive user base, so... Uh, I think that that maybe they could be the third largest player, but yeah, I think that, like you said, we'll see a consolidation, and you'll end up seeing a lot of these companies just kind of give in and say, okay, we're going to make money licensing our content, mm-hmm. but we're not going to have our own streaming mm-hmm. service. Right, and the and the other uh, repercussion of all this is obviously in the world of um, advertising, because all the uh, the current advertising budget, we already have seen that the uh, the advertising, the global advertising uh, on TV has decreased um, for the first time. Online or internet advertising has uh, uh, surpassed um, television advertising as far as uh, dollars. So uh, all those uh, TV shows and everything that people are streaming now and binge watching and all that, and then there's the good commercials and all that. I mean, it's just it's just affecting where advertisers decide to put their ads. And um, so things are shifting rapidly, and and the the transition. I wish I had a chart. This is obviously uh, not a visual uh, program, but I, I mean there there's there's a clear chart that shows how the advertising dollars are shifting, and now they're going to internet and online media versus traditional TV advertising or even radio, which is also obsolete by now. But uh, that's also going to be a major shift as far as where the advertising money goes these days. Well, that's one of the reasons why sports content is so valuable because uh, people pay for it, but then you also still have ads because, you know, you can have like, uh, it's funny because the NBA League Pass, I was going to subscribe to it and I was looking at their plans and one of the plans is commercial free. But when you look at it, basically all they do is show the in arena, you pay extra for commercial free, 
but it's not like there's no timeouts or anything still. Right, right. So that's why sports content is still valuable because there's natural pauses in the game no matter what. And you're always going to be able to have advertising in the sports content. So you get the double revenue of charging to watch it on top of the advertising mm -hmm. revenue. But yeah, as far as traditional content goes, that is basically not live content. Yeah, you're going to see less advertising on it. But those dollars will shift and they'll move elsewhere because there's still plenty of advertising opportunities out there online. Um, you'll just see, yeah, less advertising dollars on TV. Ultimately. So, so to recap this uh, conversation, if, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, what will you do? I, I'm paying $100 a month for my cable and you know, I only like to watch um, live sports and a couple of TV shows and I don't care much about all this nature TV or National Geographic or Home and Garden Television or this or that. Um, what kind of other service or option do I have? What you just say, I mean, in my opinion, I, th I mean, if it were me, I would just get like YouTube TV and maybe I already have Amazon Prime which is part of my, I don't even consider that as a TV expense because I use so much Amazon shipping that to me that's the value of it and the music and everything else. So if I get, you know, $12, a month with Netflix and then I pay $50 a month with uh, YouTube, I end up paying 65 versus 100 and I have pretty much everything I want. Is that is that a valuable option? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what you're interested in. I mean, it's some people... Like you said, like I don't, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but some people love Game of Thrones and they'll buy a HBO subscription just to watch Game of Thrones. It's really dependent, but yeah, I mean, if you just want to cut the cord, I mean, you could just get YouTube TV and maybe Netflix. And again, it depends if you're a big sports person or not. If you're a big sports person, you're probably not going to be able to cut the cord. But if you're not a big sports person, then yeah, YouTube TV, Netflix, probably good to go and then you know maybe amazon prime most people already have amazon prime anyways mm -hmm. in the u.s uh, i think it's something like two-thirds of households in the u.s at this point have amazon prime so um yeah you could do something like that but it it's it it varies by the person it really just depends what you're interested in ultimately okay all right david well i think this is a good way to uh, wrap it up for today we started like a little light conversation we've been talking almost uh, 40 something minutes now so um, anything else you'd like to add or obviously all the, all the show information will go to, um, mgrunplugged.com and also on mgredge.com, which is the, uh, our, our parent network. And, uh, we'll obviously put all the show notes and the descriptions and all the recommendations and everything that we discussed on our, on our page for this particular podcast. Um, we'll have another one probably next week. Uh, we have a few guests already lined up. We're just trying to confirm dates and places. And uh, obviously follow uh, David as well. He probably has another podcast this Friday. Um, yep, every Friday. MGR Edge. Do uh, you have a topic for this Friday? Can you reveal it? Or are you still kind of... Uh, no, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll okay, see. nice teaser. All right, very good. Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, this is Manuel from MGR Unplugged. And uh, with David from the MGR Edge. Goodbye, buddy.